But I think as you came this morning, I, I wonder what your expectations are and, and what your expectations were. Because um, I, I mean, so many things, you know, ride or die on expectations. Uh, I, do, I do love the saying that uh, oftentimes disappointment is found in between expectations and reality. Um, how many things do we look at that we have an expectation for, but the reality doesn't meet that expectation, and then we become disappointed? And I think in clarity of vision of where our church going and in leadership, how much I think about how can, we, how can we actually shrink the gap between expectations and reality, and I think we would find less disappointment. But I think for you this morning, as you show up to church, um, and a gathered people who uh, are, are on this journey of finding life with God, what are your expectations of God right now? What, do you, what, what are the expectations that you have in your life, and is God meeting those expectations or not? Do you find that he is exceeding those expectations? Do you find that he's not meeting the expectations that, that you might have of God? How are your expectations for your own life and even for the life of others this morning? And is God meeting them? In other words, do you have certain expectations for God? Like, have you painted a picture of who God is to be and what he's up to and how he should treat you in your life and the things that should or should not go your way? Or the other side of that, I guess, is, are you open to the expectations that God might have for you? And the expectations that God might have for your life? And is there a gap between those two? Because I wonder if disappointment in life with God falls between those two things. That we have expectations for God to meet. And then on the flip side, he has some expectations for us. And how, how are those things lining up in your life this morning? Uh, we're going to wrap up our series called The Others. We've been in it for a number of weeks now. And the whole concept here is that we, we actually want to look at ways in which we can experience more of God by pressing into other people's lives. And oftentimes, that's people who look different than us in so many ways. And those are oftentimes people who actually can't give us anything in return. So, so what does it look like to move towards people in justice and compassion and, and generosity and peacemaking and just all the things that we can enter into other people's lives and experience God in a way which Jesus actually says the, the things that you do for the least of these are the things that you do for me, which sounds like a very backwards way of thinking, right? Because I usually want to do to other people who can actually give me something in return or I could find a little more upward mobility or, right, there's always a give and a take in a relationship. I want to make sure that there's a taking on the back end of that. But throughout scripture, I think just the entire idea of just a genuine spirituality and a, and a life with God is actually being open to connecting with our creator in ways that changes our lives beyond our understanding. Because living towards other people oftentimes doesn't make sense. It takes sacrifice. And in this today, as we wrap up, we have uh, good friends and family and long-term my pastors growing up, people who have spoken of mine and Caitlin's lives, and I think a number of you here, they've influenced Mike and Betty Fry from Morro Bay. So I'm going to try and keep my talk here short, and then we're going to invite them up here in a second. Um, but in this, I want to ask you, what are your expectations for healing prayer? What are your expectations for healing prayer? And I think right away you probably have some expectation. Maybe you've seen a Benny Hinn fanning a jacket and people falling over on a stage. And, you know, you have a lot of questions from TBN or something like that. 
I think some of you have actually seen healing prayer in your life. You've seen some miraculous things happen that you cannot explain. And, and you're like, yeah, absolutely, more of it. And probably a number of you are just like, I don't even know if I've given thought to that. I don't know if I have an expectation for healing prayer. And what I mean by healing prayer is that you and I actually could spend time together in prayer for one another. And there's this belief that God could actually step in. Right? We all have our prayers praying over our dinner table and bless this food and, hey, I pray for safety on this car trip to my vacation and all these things. If you think about it, like, we're actually having a conversation with this being outside of time and space, and we have this expectation that he hears us. E even so much that, like, he's, like, covering our plate of food so we don't get sick. I, I don't know what it means for you to bless your food. Or that we're going to make it safely on our trip, right? Like, there's a belief and an expectation here that he can actually enter into my prayer. That my prayer is doing something that God wants to move towards. I think many of us have probably prayed in a way that asks God to do something. So there's some form of an expectation of prayer. But what is it for healing prayer? Now, I'm not going to have enough time to jump into the theology, and I want to invite you on December 9th, Thursday, we're going to do a prayer ministry foundations training. And this is a space in which we'll go a little bit more into the theology of prayer and, and what it looks like and why we look at scripture for these things. Then we will practice together and do some different things. But this is a space in which if you want to learn to, to be more open to how God may be asking us to pray for one another, that I would encourage you to sign up through this. Um, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to blaze my way through a little bit of scripture, some quotes, and then I'm going to invite Mike and Betty up. Sound good? A little non-traditional. I usually will not rattle off this much scripture. I think it makes sense, though. So... Let's do this. Matthew 4, 23 to 24. Jesus comes on the scene. He goes throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. See, Jesus and his kingdom were coming on to the scene in both word and deed. He was coming onto the scene in both presence and power. And for a long time, people were looking to Jesus to, to, for God to move in a way that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. That there was going to be conquering and the people of God were going to be back into power and they were no longer going to be oppressed. And so they were looking for this warrior king to come in. But then he just starts hanging out with a bunch of sick and poor people. Right? They had this expectation and, and I don't think it was met for them. And they're questioning a lot of what goes going on. And they hang out with Jesus for a number of years. And he just kind of keeps doing this over and over and over again. And they're not too sure what happens. But at some point, it gets to this point where there's another guy who went before Jesus. It was his cousin. His name's John the Baptist. And he wanted to know, is this really Jesus? Like, is Jesus, he's hearing some things and things are going down. So he sends some people and they come to Jesus and they say, hey, man, John the Baptist wants to know if it's you. And he says this. When John, who was in prison, heard about the dates, sent somebody, who is this? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy be, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus' ministry, what he was up to to say, yes, God is moving in our land, God's kingdom is here on earth, was intricately, intricately connected to people being healed. To, to, to people being raised from oppression in certain ways. And this is physical, this is, this is mental, this is demonic. I mean, there's so many different things going on. But you cannot look at Jesus' kingdom to set the world free, to set the oppressed free, without looking at healing that, that moves beyond our expectations of what he's actually up to. And then he does this. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And it says this in Matthew 10, 7, 8. 
as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So now it's the turn of the disciples. And he says to them, hey, these things that we've been doing, now it's your turn. And go tell that the kingdom of God is at hand, that is near, that is tangible, that is breaking in. But to also, as you say that, do these things that I've been doing. And we find a number of places where the disciples are like, but wait, I don't, how do you, no, no, this is what you do. And we get to kind of be groupies and hang out and see it happen, right? Like, what do you mean we do this? And here we find a couple of church terms, sensationalism, dispensationalism, don't worry about it. Um, But really this means, like, and and, and again, we'll talk about this more in the prayer training. Like, some people believe that the the works of this, of the things of Jesus' healing stopped at some point stopped with some of the apostles, or that it was just for a certain period of time, and this time will come again. And what we see is that Jesus has actually inaugurated the kingdom of God. He has brought forth the kingdom of heaven here and now towards clashing, but it hasn't been consummated. And I know, again, hang on with me. There's a couple church words. But it means that he started things, yet we're waiting for him to finish things. But in the meantime, it's been brought forth. It is accessible and it's near. I'll put it this way. I wonder if our expectations for what God is up to now and today is more influenced by scripture and the life that Jesus brings, or is it more influenced by culture and the things around us? And maybe here's two words that might land a little bit more. One would be uh, rationalism and one would be materialism. We live in a post-enlightenment, we live in a post-industrial revolution. Here in the West, in the UK, we have science and we have research and we have gold and silver and we we have everything that we've ever needed to be satisfied, to be dependent on. And rationalism would say, propose that there is a rational explanation for everything, that for every human problem there is a rational solution and that there is no room for divine providence. I wonder if us sitting here today are more influenced by rationalism or by Jesus and his kingdom. Because I know oftentimes I always want the rational explanation. I don't like when things are above my, or different than my expectations, or out of my control. And the materialism would say this, assumes that nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications, that there's no supernatural reference point in this life. I mean, that, that right here in front of me, all that I can see is what's only, the only thing that's real and tangible, and is what matters most. And to think about something else breaking into this is terribly challenging. So I, I wonder how much we're influenced by these things. Now, what's interesting as we look across the world, outside of the Christian church here in the West that is heavily influenced by these two, two things as we are just a culture, is that the Christian church is exploding. There, there are people coming to faith by the thousands in countries who are less influenced by materialism, that, that, are, that are less influenced by rationalism because their dependence falls in different spaces. They do not have silver and gold. They do not have as much science and technology to rely on to play God within their own lives. That they, they, are, they are mostly dependent on the presence and the power of God showing up and interacting their lives. As someone who was at our leader retreat last week and said, God goes where he is needed and God goes where he is wanted. And what's weird is we could think that, yeah, maybe this whole thing did stop with the apostolic age, that, that there was only a time for it. But then what's weird is we have these, these writers in Scripture actually start talking about it also. And now they're just writing to us. They're writing to everyday people who are doing their work in the marketplace and just going about their things. And, and one of them is Paul writes the, the church in Corinth. He's talking about the things that the Spirit brings to each other's lives. And he says that to another they would get gifts of healing 
to another it would be miraculous power, to another it would be prophecy. He's going on and saying these are the things that Jesus is bringing to us as a church. The writer of 1 John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whether we ask, we know that, he, uh, that what we have, oh my gosh, we know that we have what we ask of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. James also said, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the leaders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And we can just keep doing this over and over and over again. And again, I think it presses against us. What are our expectations of being the church? What are our expectations of God actually playing an active role in our lives for the sake of other people? And how could we actually experience more of God in that? This quote here uh, from a man by the name of John Wimber is a part of this vineyard movement that, that we are a part of. We see according to our expectations many times, our expectations come from conditioning. We are taught to expect certain things in the Christian life and miss what God is doing if he acts outside of our expectations. And this isn't easy. This is not easy. To actually live this life where we're kind of expecting God to do these things outside of this physical reality right in front of me. It's highly uncomfortable. It's highly threatening to, to, to what I know life to be. And I'm going to invite Mike and Betty here in a second. I, I want to end with this. There's so much to talk about here. I can't, this can't do justice. But I want to encourage us. Can we be people that, that live by these seven words? Like These are seven words to keep in your pocket. Can I pray for you right now? It happens in this space on a Sunday morning. It happens with our family at the dinner table. It happens in our workplace with our coworkers. It happens as we're in the, the line at the grocery store. Can I pray for you right now? Because here the, here's the deal. The healing that God is up to and that we might be open to is him doing the work. And, and I think what God is looking for in so many ways is that we are people that have expectations that God has given an invitation to actually see him move in powerful ways in our life. Because there's only so much of reading the Bible. There's so much of, of just praying these lists of desires and wants I have for my life. There's only so much of trying to be a good, moral person in this world. There's only so much of doing justice, of, of embodying compassion, of living generously. Because I don't know about you, but I always do not know what people need in their life. And the reality, there's a quote by N.T. Wright that's too long to read. But he goes on to say that Jesus was coming and restoring our whole world. But what good is it for everything to be set societally right if people are still not able to be made whole? And I believe that there's a mashup in these things, that we are people that do justice. We, we are people that embody, we do these things over and over again by the Spirit of God, but we also create space for the unexpected ways that he wants to show in up powerfully in my life and others in your life, and others. So may we be a people whose expectations are open to the invitation which God has for us, to live naturally supernatural lives. I'm going to end with this, and then Mike and Betty are coming up to tell some cool stories, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer with them. One writer said, and this isn't up there, but he said, I thank God for power healing. I do not say this because I believe divine healing is the most important issue in Christian life and experience, because I don't. Nor do I say this because it answers all the naughty problems that surround the issues of healing, because it doesn't. No. I thank God for power healing because it reminds us 
that at the heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. It encourages us to believe that God is good and that he longs to pour out his goodness into our hearts and lives. It warns us, it warn, it warns us against locking God into a safe, distant past. It urges us to invite the winds of the Holy Spirit to blow freely, saving and healing, loving and forgiving. May God's goodness and love be poured out through our openness to say things like, can I pray for you right now? So let's hear some stories. Mike and Betty might make way more sense of this than I just did, and then we're going to do some stuff. So can we welcome Mike and Betty up? And floor is yours. So there's already been a miracle here this morning, right, in the middle. And the miracle is this, that um, as I saw Caitlin this morning, she said, it's a miracle. I got here, I got the two children dressed, I got them fed, I feel better, and I'm here. And I thought, that's a miracle. So we want to talk about, um, and I love that one that where Jesus says, as you go. Because for the last couple of weeks, something the Lord just been speaking to me about from this church is the word go, to go out, to see people, to meet people you don't know, to be available. So um, I want to start with a story that involves um, um, Jeff and Nina. Uh, some years ago, why uh, we took a team from our church to go to Noril, Siberia. And the, uh, the purpose of it was to meet people, to pray for people, to have an, quote, expectation that in going, God would do something that he had in mind to do and that we got to watch him, follow him, but be a part of everything he was doing. So I'd ask Jeff, I said, Jeff, do you have any medical instruments that, you know, you, you could give us to take because I know there's a hospital there and they are deficient in various kinds of things they need. And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I do have. And so he wrapped up little packages. They were about this big around, six pounds a piece, because we were watching our weight flying out of Russia, out of uh, Moscow into Norilsk, which is way up near the Arctic border, in a town that had only recently been opened uh, to the outside. So we took these instruments and the first day uh, went to the hospital. And I met, uh, in the process, the Surgeon General and Administrator of this hospital and told her, we'd like to come and we have some people, we'd like to do a skit and somebody that would uh, play guitar and we'd sing. And do you have a room that maybe we could meet in and you have patients that would like to come to this room and participate. And she said, oh, that would be very nice. We'd love to have you sing and do things like this. Well, when we got there, what we found is that the majority of the people in there could not speak uh, English. And we didn't speak Russian, although we had translators with us. Uh, so our worship leader began in this little meeting just to strum on the guitar, and we began singing in English some of the worship songs. And all of a sudden I began to notice the patients starting to weep and to cry. 
and realized that the, the very presence of God was there and was touching them in places. And often we don't think that when we uh, are around people that the presence of God has come. Whenever we're around people, the presence of God within us is present for people around us. So soon as we had um, finished some worship, we did this little skit. And it was, again, all in English. And it was all about wearing masks, the masks that people wear to not be known. Uh, the result was that, again, people wanted prayer. And we began praying for people. We had a great time. We just really enjoyed ourselves. We thought, I wonder if we could come back and do this again. And so uh, one of the people uh, that was in the room at the moment said, you know, would you like to come again? And yes, we'd like to come. So, well, you'll have to go talk to the administrator who I talked to the day before. And I got up there and I said, we'd really like to come. And by the way, I have these medical instruments that uh, I was given to bring to you as a gift. And would you like them? She started just tearing up. She said, you just don't know the needs that we have here. She said, but I, I'm, uh, I'm curious about something. I don't understand something that, that happened yesterday. This morning, we began releasing people from the hospital who had been very, very sick, very ill, and they were completely well. What did you do? And I said, well, actually, we didn't do anything, although we prayed for them. But it was this that happened. The Holy Spirit came. Jesus came to bring help and healing amongst you. And she said, well, um, could you pray for me? Could you, could you do that with me? I said, well, yes, I'd love to. She, well, she said, I have had a lot of pain in here for several years. I've had it all examined uh, medically, and they can't find anything wrong with me. But I would like some of that that you did yesterday. Can I have some of that? Said, yes. So we just said, okay, we're going to pray for you. And we just prayed and asked Jesus to come and spoke to the pain. And in the name of Jesus, we told the pain to leave and healing to come. And then I just, we were quiet. She opened her eyes. I said, how do you feel? And she started feeling around and pushing herself. There's no pain. What did you do? I said, we didn't do anything. We just prayed for you. It was Jesus who came. She says, I don't know this Jesus. Can I know Jesus? And I said, yes, of course. You know, this is who he is. We, I, we spoke about Jesus and who he is and what he had done for people. And I said, would you like to have Jesus as part of your life? And she says, yes, can I do, when can I do that? And she said, you can do it right now. And so she prayed to accept Christ. The thing that mattered was going, being a part of going, uh, being uh, with expectation. I loved what Brian was talking about, expectation, because without expectation, nothing will happen. Now, it's up. It's up to God to do what he does, but it's up to us to participate. Without us, without each of us participating, um, he can do it on his own, but he would much prefer 
that we enter in and be participating with him in the things that he's doing. So uh, Betty is going to share a story. We've got several stories. We're going to hold you up till way late. No, just. But there's food right here. <laughs> so I want to talk about something that just happened because sometimes we talk about something amazing that happens somewhere else. And this is just a natural thing. This is something that everybody uh, has. We all have neighbors, right? And it was also sort of a spontaneous thing. And I'm, I want to talk a little bit about being sort of having your heart ready for it that and I, I believe that you actually all do have your heart ready for that it's just like well how do you what does that look like so uh, we have this neighbor and um, she she's in out she's a uh, just finished her marriage and family counseling and she's got a couple of kids and anyway uh, I was walking by her house and um, she came out and she's crying and uh, there it looked like they're getting ready to get the car and she's pregnant with her third baby and and I, I, uh, I said, you know, what's going on? I'm, Good question. That's actually one of the best questions to ask if people might want prayer. If you see someone crying, what's going on? Don't, don't be like, oh, I shouldn't interfere. But, you know, people love to be heard. They, they, they want you to know them. And, uh, and if they say nothing and get away from me, what have you lost, right? <laughs> you know, just sort of your dignity and everything else. But um, anyway, so anyway, I, I just, I, I said, what's, what's happening? You know, and obviously we're kind of getting ready. And she said, you know, I, uh, I've just, I've been to the doctor. I've got, uh, the baby was, I think, only about, maybe they were six months long. And, uh, and I'm not quite sure if I can say the right word, but the, the placenta had um, the attached to and gone through the uterine wall. And they were concerned that it had gone into other parts. And so they were rushing her to the doctor. She was bleeding, and they thought they would lose the baby, and they were uh, really concerned about her life. You know, and I don't know. I just, without even thinking, I just like spontaneously said, "Oh Jesus!" You know, I just wrapped my arms around. Her. I said, "Just protect her, protect the baby." You know, that, that kind of thing. And then they got in the car and left. You know, so about uh, she came back. They went to Stanford. They were gone for a long, long time. And so when she came back, she she came up to me and she said. I just have to tell you that the baby's fine. She's fine. She said, I will never not believe that there is a God because God did this. You know, now she says, and I want to tell you all about it. I haven't had that chance to have that conversation yet. So it's, this is like a normal happening. These are people that are around you. And just about everybody we know has trauma and, and prayer never hurts anything. I have never... I, well, I've seldom ever um, asked someone if I could pray for them and have them say no. <laughs> you know, people, when you're hurting, people really love to have someone touch you. So that's, that's not like a dramatic thing where the person is healed, but it's just a natural outpouring of, of love and mercy, which is so uh, naturally supernatural. You know what I mean? You, now, isn't it wild that we have Jesus let us have the Spirit of God in us and said the things that he did, we will also do. That is, that's just crazy. And it's unbelievable. But that, that is the message that we have. And so it's not you that does anything. It's the Spirit of God. So you don't have to feel like you have to perform or say it right or do the right thing. You have to love God, listen to him, and then walk in whatever he tells you to do and sometimes it's just so spontaneous that you don't even have chance to you know him he doesn't say go pray for him or something like that he just you just are full of compassion and you're 
and you do pray, you know? And I think that, let that be part of who you are in that naturally supernatural way. Uh, do you want to go another one, or do you want me to tell? So I want to tell you one other little story that's uh, a little bit more. <laughs> My, okay, but I'm faster talker. He's really good. He tells an amazing story. I can tell a really fast story, and a lot of stories fast, you know. So anyway, I wanted to tell you, I, I asked Brian if I'd ever shared this, because we, we shared a couple of things with your group, and, but I love this story just simply because it says a lot of different things. We were actually in China, and uh, we were in a, uh, a teaching conference, kind of in a situation like this where we were teaching people to hear, just to hear from God, you know, what does that look like? How do you get a word from God? And, and um, so that had been kind of laid out there, and so we asked the Holy Spirit to come and then for people to give words. Well, one of the people tentatively put their hand up and they said, well, I, I keep getting the word elbow, you know, it doesn't sound like real dramatic, it doesn't say anything real specific, right? Elbow. So this other lady that was over next to me, she raised her hand. She said, well, I have a problem with my elbow. And this room was crowded. and There were other words, but I was right, right next to her. And another friend of mine was there. So we said, well, can we, you know, we'll pray for your elbow. And I, I remember really feeling absolutely unspiritual, you know, at that point. Just did not feel like anything was happening. I keep saying, okay, God's doing this, not me. God has to do this. So anyway, anyway, we said, um, you know, we asked the Holy Spirit to come and to just to touch the harm and, and to heal it. And I can't even remember what we said. But um, you, you kind of have to listen to God and not say, just listen to God, and then if he tells you to say something, say it. So anyway, um, <laughs> she's, she's like, oh. And then she says, and then she holds her hand out like this. Well, this small finger had atrophied. And um, as it turns out, she had had an injury to her elbow um, uh, two years prior to that, and her finger had atrophied as a result of that, I guess the nerve damage to that. And as we watched, that finger actually grew out. So, it, you know, it's like an impossible thing. So she, it turns out that her husband was a doctor. So he wasn't a believer, and she was a believer. So she went home, and she told her husband, look what has happened. He said, well, that's totally impossible. That can't happen. That was nerve damage. That's permanent. Can I go with you tonight? <laughs> so, he, can he, so he came back, and his partner said, well, um, can I come too? I, I want to know what's going on. So they came, and when they actually walked into the room, it was, it was so funny. The person came up to him and said, oh, just, she just, you want the Holy Spirit. This guy was like 6'5". He just falls down on the floor. And it's shaking all over. And anyway, and the partner's looking at him, and his daughter's looking at him, and, and he's just having, he's got this beaming look on his face. And, and um, that was it. And the partner said, can I have some of that too? Can I, just the same thing we experienced there. So it was a very dramatic happening. But it's fun to tell those stories because those are God's stories. Those are the stories what God did. And I didn't feel very spiritual at all. You know what I mean? I was just happened to be there and happened to try to hear God, happen to experience that. Okay, I'll let you, I'll get water, and then he can tell, we'll, okay. So it's about risking as well, and that's another way to spell faith, is to risk, even though you don't feel like you've really got what it takes, or you're even fearful. You, you're like, I don't, nothing ever happens when I pray for people, or, or could it happen? But there's something about faith, there's something about risking that really makes a difference. 
because when you step out of a place of I don't know into a place I will try, I will go for it, um, God often shows up so that he redeems what he is a, in the business of doing. Um, a little story I want to tell is about how maybe you have prayed for somebody and then you never heard anything more about it, never heard anything had happened, didn't hear that something they, that God had actually come and done. And so I just want to tell a story that happened uh, here in town. Um, we got a call from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Would we come and pray for a person who was going to have uh, his leg due to diabetes removed on Tuesday morning? And, um, and this was on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we met in the office, and um, he had already, uh, due to the gangrene in from below just below the knee uh, th there were uh, places where the flesh had already begun to deteriorate um, uh, I didn't really want to look at it he wanted to know if I wanted to see it and I it was like well okay and uh, pulled his pants leg up um, and it was kind of oozing and didn't look uh, great it looked back terrible and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because sometimes when we see something like that, it diminishes faith. It diminishes, if we observe something, we think it's much greater than maybe God could do because it looks so horrific. But we know God can do anything, and we just have to be a part of what God is wanting to do. So I take the um, direction that if I'm invited, or have the opportunity to pray for somebody, I'm going to do it. Now, it's up to God to do what he wants to do, but I want to be involved. I mean, I have stories. I have lots of stories. Betty has lots of stories. Would, do you like stories? Do you want your own stories? And it's important that we have stories because there are many people around us that when they hear a story about something that's factual and true, it's really an encouragement. Um, so anyway, we prayed for this gentleman. I asked him a little bit more about himself. And it turned out that because of the diabetes, he was legally blind. He wore glasses that were about, uh, they were about that thick, very heavy. Um, he was not feeling well. He, uh, we just prayed. And guess what happened? Want to guess what happened? Nothing. Now, that's not what I was looking for or hoping for. Because, you see, our minds and our thoughts can deceive us. What God can do is beyond the things that we can do. But we can go and pray. And so we prayed for him. He went in. Now, now the part of the story I'm going to tell you now is a year later. That is when I, and the reason I brought it up is because it was a year later that we heard what had happened. And that was because we were doing an, a, a worship night at a school when he walked up to me and he said, uh, do you remember me? And I looked at him and I thought, mm, I don't think so, but what, what, what's going on? He said, last year you came to the church 
and you prayed because I had diabetes and they were going to remove the bottom part of my leg because of the, um, the what? The gangrene, right. Um, and I said, well, what happened? He said, I went in on Monday morning to get prepared for the surgery and the doctor looked at it and he said, the red stripes that had been coming up his leg were disappearing. And he said, I think I want to hold off just a little bit and observe and see what happens. As uh, the day, a few days progressed, uh, the sores all began to heal and to close up. And, uh, and he did not have the surgery. Next thing he noticed was, you know, um, I began to realize that I, uh, I could not see very well with the glasses on. So he went to his, the, his eye doctor and he had his eyes examined and his vision was 20-20. Now, this is a year later and it was like, why didn't you say something? Now, how many of you that's real too? That if, that if something's happened, you'd like to hear the story. What's God doing? What did it mean anything? So I, I just say this to encourage you that at times, if you're praying for somebody and nothing seems to be happening, nothing seems to be going on, don't believe it. Because when we invite the Holy Spirit to come, he comes and is present. Now, what he does is up to him. But welcoming him and inviting him to come and following through with the prayer uh, for a person is really vital. Where can you do these things? Well, I realistically with COVID, COVID shut down a lot of things. So it's, it's almost like, okay, what can I do? Well, I can make myself known as a person who will pray for others. And you can get, you can get that word out. You can, your neighborhoods or in other places at work, wherever you are, if you're involved in a, any kind of sports, just the fact that, by the way, telling a friend, um, by the way, if, if, if you're aware of anybody that would like prayer, I'd sure like to come and pray for them. And it's interesting how things begin to happen as relates to that. Okay, Karen. So I just, I want to tell another uh, story that's re really recent because I want you to know this is like a continuum. It's, it, you know, God's breathing this all the time uh, on you, on us. But sometimes it's not just directly you pray for something and it gets healed. There's a word of knowledge or something like that. And uh, I had the opportunity, um, this mom, um, she was just devastated. She said, you know, I've had pain in my back and for a long time, she said originally a long time, and she says, it's so, right now, I can't even lift my new child, my baby, you know, and she was just devastated, and so, you know, I was, uh, said, you know, would you pray for me, and I said yes, and so I, I prayed for her, and it's like, you know, the pain didn't go away or anything, and I just, I kind of, I heard, I felt like I heard the Lord say, ask her, uh, when it first started, and and that's always a really good question. If someone's had something chronic, when did this begin? And there's a, I can there's many stories I could tell you about that particular thing, but she said, well, I was uh, actually uh, hit by a car. I was on a horse, and <coughs> I was that that was my love of my life. I was 
um, I loved horses and I was very good at it. And uh, she said, but I was hit and I was, you know, injured at that time. And I was relatively young. I think she was only like 14. And she said, of course, then my back started hurting from that. And it was funny because I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, that's terrible. You know, what an awful thing happened. Let me have some water. <coughs> that's the trouble with talking too much. <laughs> um, and I said, well, you know, I don't know. Have you ever forgiven the man that hit you? Because I could feel this anger when she started talking about it. And she said, well, no, I, I never even thought about that. And I, so we, we talked a little bit about it. And I said, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be here. You can, but your heart, sometimes your heart holds things and you become bitter and it affects every part of you and it affects your healing. So we, we just kind of, we prayed together and she said, you know, Lord, I, I, I guess, you know, she says, I realize I do. I was so angry at him and she forgave him. You know, she actually took the thing to physically forgive him. And uh, you know how in the Lord's Prayer it says, isn't it funny that of all the important things in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's like Jesus probably knew that that was probably really an important part of our, of our life, right? Because it's in the, our Father. And she forgave him, and it was interesting, and then she cried. And then we prayed again, and actually, the pain totally went away. And I talked to her later on, and has stayed away. So it was that simple. That sounds so like impossible, but there was that, that hinge um, that was there. And that's another thing that you can do is when you're praying for somebody, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, give you a word, give you some insight. What's going on? Is there something that I don't know? And it's really important just to wait on the Holy Spirit. Don't just, you know, it's such a temptation like to make many prayers. Okay. You know how you all stand around in a circle and pray, 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 you know, and we want to pray, but, but sometimes just be quiet and listen and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What will change things? What will make a difference? All right. I think, are we, are we, we have we used up our 20 minutes at least, right? <laughs> so let's, let's all stand. And um, we just want to have a little ministry time. Um, So earlier, um, I just sensed the Lord talking about hearing, and um, and there's two things I felt He was saying. If you have a problem with your hearing, uh, a physical problem with your hearing, to pray for that. But also, um, I felt like the Lord said, "Ask them if they want to hear me more clearly. They want to hear my voice more clearly." And that they should ask me. Um, when in Isaiah, he says, the Lord says to him, or he says to the Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. But often in the, the sending part, it's hearing the Lord say, go and do this. Go and pray for this person. Walk over and touch them. Walk, just console them or help them or bring them a meal or cut their grass or just anything but hearing and I think that the heart matter is hear my Lord send me and so 
I felt like he was saying, ask them if they want to hear me more, if they want to hear my voice sending them more. If that is the case, then ask. So I just want to take a second and just, um, if that is you and that is something you want to do, uh, because there was another word that came with that and was about eagerness and eagerness to do the things that um, he has in mind to send you to do. But if I ask you, do you have, is there within you an eagerness to pray for the sick, to pray for people, what would you say? Can you raise your hand? If, that, if that's you and you want that, then Lord, I speak Jesus in your name and release that right now in the name of Jesus that eagerness that you will just pour that out within them, that they will not be settled in their minds or their hearts until that begins to happen within them. And they sense that your presence happening to send them to do these things. Mm -hmm.